For some people though, I know the challenges can be discouraging. It's really hard to say whether it sucks the fun out of it. For me, I've always just told myself, effort always equals progress. And it's those little efforts will always add up to something mm. bigger. And it's if you feel like you're about to give up, you just never know if the breakthrough is just the next day or if it's just right around the corner. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I share stories of indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Some of you might remember today's guest, Diana Allen, from March 2019 when she was on the Indie Hackers podcast, sharing her budget meal planner product, which she grown to thousands of subscribers. Since then, Diana has launched a D2C candle brand called Terra, where she hand makes each and every product. In October 2020, Diana made the leap to working full time on this business, leaving her life of freelancing behind. I love this conversation because it's not your usual indie hacker software story with growing MRR. And I think there's a lot to learn about the ups and downs of running a physical product business, such as not having that recurring revenue, having much slimmer profit margins, while having to manage inventory and shipping. We spoke about what it took for Diana to go full time selling these handmade candles direct consumer, starting with just $100. Thanks again to the sponsor of the podcast, Weekend Club, the friendly accountability community for indie hackers. We join up every Saturday for deep working sessions to make sure we're making progress on our profitable side businesses. But I've got some huge news for you who are in the US because as of last Saturday, Weekend Club has now launched in US time zones. If this sounds like a community you'd like to be a part of, head to weekendclub.co and use the code IndieBytes for your free 30-day trial. Let's get into the episode. Dana, so many indie hackers spend a lot of their time coding their SaaS products while you make handmade goods and sell them direct to consumer. Do you think we should see more of this sort of stuff from indie hackers? I personally think everyone should at least try it at least once to just make something physical with their hands. For me, it's almost therapeutic. Oh, it's so common. I, I recommend it to everyone to try and find something they can do that doesn't involve building your software product because it has benefits that go wider than just having a business. And Indie Hackers might be familiar with you from sort of March last year when you were on the, the Indie Hackers podcast with Cortland talking about Budget Meal Planner. What happened with that? Yeah, I did start Budget Meal Planner and that was just something I started while I was traveling and it was about eating healthy on a fairly cheap budget. I took that to Reddit first. It wasn't a newsletter to start with. It was just a Reddit post, but the feedback on Reddit was just insane that I ended up making a weekly newsletter out of it. And I think within the first three months, it grew to 2,000 subscribers or something crazy like that. And I stuck with that for quite a few months, almost a year. And then it was basically January of this year, 2020, that I decided to sell that. And it was actually because Tara was part of my life then. And I realized I couldn't commit to the newsletter, Tara, and my freelance work all at the same time. So gave up the previous project to make room for the new project. Do you think more indie hackers or entrepreneurs should do that more? Like move on from things and detach themselves? Because a lot of people will just keep working on something for a long time. Oh, but yes. <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt you. Do you want to finish that? No, go, 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 go. Okay. I am just very passionate about that because... I'm not a person who likes clutter, whether that's physical or digital, get rid of it. If you are not committed to it, just stop. 
If it's something that you don't have your heart into, I don't think you should be working on it. I just feel like you can spend your time doing something you actually love and it would produce better results because you actually enjoy it. Do you think like if, if someone's genuinely passionate about something, they can turn that into a business? And if, if they do something they're genuinely enjoying and they turn it into a business, that then takes some of the enjoyment away from it? I feel like this is situational. But for me, I actually love the building a business aspect. For me, it's just a win-win situation because I just love a challenge. So that's the fun in it for me. For some people, though... I know the challenges can be discouraging. It's really hard to say whether it sucks the fun out of it. For me, I've always just told myself effort always equals progress. And it's those little efforts will always add up to something Mm. bigger. And it's if you feel like you're about to give up, you just never know if the breakthrough is just the next day or if it's just right around the corner, right? Did you feel there was a sort of a breakthrough moment for you with Tara? Yes. With Tara, I mean, that's kind of like what I said from the start of Tara's do one thing every day in order to grow it, right? As the months continued with Tara, I noticed the revenue was just basically doubling. So it was like as each month ended, that was my breakthrough moment with each month because it was, okay, this month was way better than last month. And then the next month would be like, okay, but this month is way better than last month. And like, it just wouldn't stop for a while. And I was like, okay, this is great. This is how I know this is working. I know all all of that time at the start, you were still freelancing. You were still had clients. At what point did you you decide it was time to take the leap and go full time on Terra, which you are now? I remember for the first six months or so, I was balancing client work and Terra basically 50-50 of my days from eight to four I would be doing my freelance work. And then in the evening, I would spend all the time I could on Terra. I noticed over time that the time for Terra basically needed to start at 3 p.m. And then eventually needed to start at 2 p.m. And then it just kept cutting into the day of my client work. So during the summer, it was actually really hard for me to balance the two. Like, And every day I was kind of thinking, is this the day I just quit freelance work? Because... Clearly, I need to have the time for Tara, but it took me a solid three months before I actually committed to the decision. I told my boyfriend that morning, I said, today's the day I'm quitting freelance work. My logic is if I tell people something, then I actually will do it. So I told him that morning. Then I posted on Twitter because there, there's a quite a few people who follow me on Twitter. And I feel like if I put that out on Twitter, then I really have to commit to it. So I was like, yep, today's the day. And then I ended up calling my biggest freelance client that day. And I was like, hey, Tara is just growing and I cannot stop it. And I really need all the time I can have to dedicate to it. And I was, I think this is it. And it was tough because it was a breakup phone call. It was like, it's not you, it's me. And that that was that. (laughs) Could you not have reduced the amount of work you were doing a little bit? So instead of being a big client say oh I can do a few hours for you here or there or why wouldn't you do that so I guess that is something I might have tried with you know how I said I had the three months where I was just struggling Mm. it was tough and I think that was something I experimented with in that three months it was okay what if I do Tara every other day and focus on client work every other day and it just didn't work, honestly, because Tara is something I have to work on every single day, even Saturdays and Sundays. There's no days off from it. 
So that was why that just wasn't possible. I just had to dive into Terra. How does the economics of, of a physical product business work? Because if you think of a lot of indie hackers, they're building things that are pretty much all margin. But with the physical product, you got to buy product and pay for shipping. And yeah, so how does it work? I will say like I started it with a minimal amount of money. I started with $100 and that was basically just to prove myself that I could make a nice smelling candle and a quality candle. I also just bought the Shopify website and that was pretty much mm. that. But as business grows, I've noticed you definitely need some cash flow. So whether that is just the pure profits. I know other people get investors involved and there's that whole other thing, but if there's no cash flow, this business is not going to run because you're going to miss out on really great opportunities. For example, early on in March, I had my biggest order for 1,500 candles and granted that was three months into my business. And up until that point, I saved every single penny I made from it. I had not touched anything because I had my freelance job. There was no reason for me to pay myself at that point or anything. Mm. Everything stayed in the business. And with that order, I needed to order 1,500 candle jars, all this wax, all this fragrance, all these supplies to fulfill this order that I did not have on hand at the moment. And I think I spent $3,000, $4,000 just to make sure that this order could happen. And in return, of course, I made that money back and then some, but it's, you definitely need to have something in the bank if you want to grow. And there have been a few times where this has happened to me where bigger orders have came to me and it's okay, I need to drop a couple thousand dollars in order to keep the wheel going basically. How else have you been growing Terra as a business? What else has it taken? I would say 99.5% has just been all thanks to Instagram, making sure I share nice photos of my products and just being sociable on there. There's a tiny percentage from Twitter. And I think that's just because it's an inspiration kind of thing. So people just want to support what I'm doing. What, what would you say has been the, the hardest part about running Terra for you? Is there, is there anything that sticks out? currently the hardest part is dealing with suppliers and i want to say this was just me jumping in at the wrong time because with covid it just seems everything is a little bit more harder to get to so for example i'm going through a glass jar shortage at the moment and i just was like how could this happen i just never thought this could happen but it's that's a struggle is just staying on top of inventory and that's something i personally just wouldn't have known from the start of this, I wouldn't have known how much to prepare for because this is my first year, you know? And how's it been for you with getting one-time purchase compared to SaaS products where it is monthly recurring revenue? How have you found that sort of switch? I wish personally I could have gone into terror from the start and be like, oh, my MRR is this. Oh, my MRR is that. And just basically shared that stat of it month over month. But instead, I can only share my actual revenue because it's unpredictable. One, one month could be 1000 and the next month could be 5000 The month after could be 3000 It's just you really don't know. But what I've done to help me get some recurring revenue is offering a subscription box. So I call it my candle club, but basically you can join for X amount a month and I'll send you a candle every single month and you get the candle at a discounted rate. So I feel like that's the entice, the enticement of it all. 
And that, how's it been with that unpredictability? But just in general, has it has it been quite stressful and not knowing what you're getting? I guess through the start of it, because I had my client work, but I really wasn't concerned whether it doubled month over month or anything, or I didn't have any huge goals for it. But since going full time, definitely watching the revenue is very important now. And it doesn't scare me. I feel like I am a bit established at the moment. Otherwise, why would I have gone full time if I'm not established? But it is consistent enough. Enough is coming in month over month that I don't know how to explain it. I just feel comfortable where it's at. <laughs> We've got Black Friday coming up in a couple of weeks, but it's a huge thing for any DTC consumer business. What are your plans for it? What I have in mind is doing 30% off my shop or on certain collections. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not really good at planning, to be honest. But what I do know is the following Saturday is Small Business Saturday. And honestly, that's what I care about more. I'm just going to do Black Friday because everyone does Black Friday. I just can't mm -hmm. be a shop that, that that's not doing it. That's just weird. But <laughs> Small Business Saturday, though, honestly, I feel that's the big focus because small businesses basically make up your local economy. And for me personally, living in St. Louis, there's so many small businesses around. It's, I cannot imagine the city without them. It just, it would just be empty and boring and no good food, no fun things to buy. So for me, I'm just going to run a better deal on Small Business Saturday and hopefully gain just more attraction to that rather than Black Friday. Yeah, I completely agree with you about supporting small businesses. I'm pleased you're putting more of an em emphasis on that rather than Black Friday. Diana, this has been an awesome conversation. At the end of every episode, I ask people for three recommendations and three only. Okay. A book, a podcast, and an indie hacker entrepreneur people should follow. For the book, I recommend Shoe Dog. It's basically, oh, you read it? My favorite. Yes, really good. I will. Okay, I have to admit, I didn't finish it, but I read it three fourths through. I got a little sleepy, and that's when I stopped reading it. But it was so good. It was so good. I loved it. It just honestly reminded me a little bit of me. So that's why I really enjoyed it. Podcasts, I unfortunately cannot recommend anything here. And this is really sad because I'm doing a podcast right now, but podcasts put me to sleep. When I go on road trips and I cannot go to sleep, my boyfriend will turn on a podcast and I'm just knocked out instantly. And then Indie Hacker to follow. I personally am really inspired by AJ from Card. Mm. I know he posts a lot on Twitter and he's just cracking it out every single day with Card. And I'm just a Card fangirl. I've loved Card for two years now. Yeah, I just really love that website and everything he has done to make it what it is. Diana, thank you so much for joining. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the pod. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you've made it this far into the episode and you'd like to support the podcast, I'm now offering a membership with ad-free episodes and extended conversations. Head to IndieBytes.co slash membership to find out more. As always, links to what we discussed are in the show notes. See you in the next one.